Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Gentlemen, what's going on this morning? Oh, all, all good. All good. Yeah, how's it going, Ark? Everything's great. It's my birthday tomorrow. Um, that is fantastic. Happy I'll birthday, be, my I'll friend. Be, I'll, I'll be 40. 40? Yeah, you're almost catching up to me. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'm funny. Gen 1 now, and you're Gen uh, 1.5, and Michael's Gen, gen 2. I'm, I'm pre-Gen 1. <laughs> I guess I feel like <laughs> Well, that's exciting. Happy birthday, my friend. Yeah, thank uh, you, sir. Today, to celebrate your birthday, we're going to do something a little bit different, right? A little different. Yeah. yeah. We do okay. a case study. We, Michael and I go back and forth all the time and, and try to figure out how to draw down what we do. And it's sometimes hard when you we listen to our podcast to get real processes like connected. So mm-hmm. I think through a case study, we'll be able to go to A to Z, how we get referred into this particular client. The conversations we had, the interest that he was trying to focus on, uh, we educated him. You know, we always had that expression: "You don't know what you don't know." So we taught him to think differently about how he was approaching his finances, and we're going to take you through that story with him. It, it, it's a sad ending, but we'll get to that at the end of the session. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I here's the it. thing: is for the audience. I know that doing these case studies, not everything is going to fit, right? Not everything's Correct. going to fit somebody's specific scenario, but I hope that they glean pieces off of, hey, that kind of sounds like my situation, or this could possibly be my situation, so that they do reach out and say, hey, what about me? What can we do? Because you help families all the time. And I think that people, like you said, they're not sure exactly what would fit for them. And then you do a case study like this, and then that kind of brings it more into reality or or better focus for them. Yeah. If if you're a business owner, this is going to be very interesting to listen to. Because in today's world, what's going on with inflation and mm. hiring issues and trying to find employees, this is all part of that. But it was like five years ago <laughs> we started to adjust some of these issues. Yeah. And it helped a great deal. But you'll get it as you, as you listen to, the, to our session today. But but anybody that runs a business is going to get, hopefully, a bunch of information from this podcast, I think, to at least get them to think differently about what they're what they're doing, how they approach things. But we'll start here. I'm going to kick it to Michael to kick it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this case study is one that we've probably mentioned a few times in earlier episodes on the podcast, but I don't think we've actually gone through it from start to finish, which is why we thought, particularly in light of things you just mentioned, Dad, with where we are in the economy and businesses struggling to find key talent. And we've had some podcasts recently about all of those issues, but we thought that this would, again, be a pretty pertinent topic to what we're all going through, I think, right now as business owners today. So I'm trying to remember how this Client was referred to us. Oh, it's for, Madison, for, for Madison, for Madison Insurance Group. That's right. So we we've had some podcasts with Madison Insurance Group. They're one of our preferred specialists in the risk management and and private insurance structure space. So we got referred to this client from them, as a matter of fact, and they were a new business client for Madison Insurance Group that they had taken over their insurance structure and had some investable assets within this insurance company that they had taken over that uh, were not being managed properly. There was bad asset allocation, poor tax management within that structure, and 
some of the managers that we would bring in to work with our clients' monies in that situation, Madison knew about those managers and wanted to make sure that this new client was in good hands. And so referred this client to us to sort of put all that together. And, and through that process, which was, again, more of an investment-related focus, we uh, met with the client. We can maybe give, I guess, probably good be good to give sort of the parameters around the client. So the client was a sole owner of a business, and this is going to come into play as we go through this case study here. The client was a sole owner of a company, had three children, married, lived in a state that had its own estate tax exposure, which again is going to come into play as we go through this here, but a very specialized business that he was running as well, a specialty manufacturing business. But as we met him for the first time, we went through our normal process Again, just trying to gather some data from this client. And we uncovered through this conversation that he really needed a lot more, a lot more planning, a lot more work than just simply this one project of managing this insurance company's assets appropriately. So he went through our audit process, which if you've been listening, longtime listener to our podcast, some of our very earlier episodes, we really go through that in great detail. But that's again the first step of our process and our platform is going through that audit process. And so he went through that process and agreed to hire us to really fix all of his issues. And so that maybe you can kind of go through if some of the main issues that we uncovered in that in that audit separate from this investment issue that, again, was the reason why we were brought in. Yeah. One of the key conversations we had with this gentleman was he really was not daily running the business. He had a top exec running the company on his behalf when he was uh, away. He was away a lot, but he was the mentor to this particular executive. And they got along at a great level. They really were like, I'd say father and son kind of relationship in a way. And uh, he was concerned that if something happened to him, that who's going to run the company? And he said, this executive will run the company. So I said, okay, uh, what ties this particular executive to the company? What programs you have in place to make sure he stays? So we typically find when a business owner passes away and he's the leader of the pack, the valuation of the company decreases because who's going to buy a company with no leader? And the executive that was now running the company had no reason to stay. He was probably going to get headhunted by another firm once the leader passed away. So he was very interested in digging deep into how he could protect that. And we actually developed a program, which we'll get later on, how that worked. But that was one of his key issues. Okay, so I want to jump in, John, real quick, because sure. wouldn't that be the same situation for a business owner that's going to sell their business? If they're going to sell to an outside buyer, yeah. you've Absolutely. got key people that you the, the the new owner is going to want to make sure that they're there. So they're going to ask that same question you did, right? Exactly right. So, yeah. but again, on a on a death scenario, people got to miss that because. Yeah. If you if you have partners, it's a little different. But even then, I mean, if I if I disappear for from Copper Beach tomorrow, nothing really changes because Michael really runs the company now. I'm, I'm kind of like the old guy that shows up every once in a while. He just shows up on your birthday. I just shows up, yeah, shows up on his birthday, gets his gets cake, cake, and then <laughs> get my cake and goes on. Uh, right. But if I were here by myself, running a practice like a lot of independent advisors, they don't have a succession plan currently in place, and we know that to be fact. A lot of advisors don't. If they pass away, what's the value of their practice? Who's willing to buy it? And what happens to their valuation towards their family? Their family gets zero. So this gentleman had all of a sudden been enlightened to understand that he had an issue if he passed away. 
And there was uh, some other issues and conversations we had with the business owner in that I believe it was prior to us meeting the the family and, and the business owner, they had had a decent arrangement or business succession plan in place with this key executive. Key executive was said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to take over this business whenever you're ready to leave. We'll come up with some arrangement to either purchase it. And then I think right around when we met them and went through our audit process, something had changed. I think the client said, it's funny you mentioned this succession issue because I just had a conversation with this That's key exec. That, yeah. And he's maybe not sure he wants to take over now. He's really happy with where he is. He was, again, sort of the... I'm not a formally a COO of the company, but in all intents and purposes, that's really what his role was. He wasn't sure he wanted to be the CEO. He wanted he really was liking the role that he was in. So the client sort of said, okay, well, now this might change the scenario a little bit, and I need some guidance and help on how to put all this together. So that was a key part of, I guess, the foundation for how we worked with this family and this business. And the other concern he had through our process, we determined that he had a pretty decent estate tax exposure that he was unaware of. He knew that he had some kind of a issue with it, but not the magnitude that we showed him. So that was another focus. He said, okay, we need to fix my estate plan to eliminate that tax to my family. Help me through that issue. And to add to that, that's why I mentioned he lived in a state that had its own estate tax uh, as well. He was unaware of Yeah, that's and that's a key thing. You know, there's there's not too many states. I think now there's maybe around 15 or 16, if I remember correctly, that have an estate tax at the state level, not just at the federal level. He was living in one of those states. So that is something that you, if you're a business owner out there, talk with your advisors about that because they may have done great federal estate tax planning because as many of our listeners have heard before, right now, as we're recording this, we have a, a basically an inflated federal estate tax exemption of close to $26 million as we're recording this. So that's a big number. And a lot of businesses look at that and say, I'm not really at that level uh, in terms of my net worth. I don't need to be worried about estate tax planning. But if you live in a state that has its own state estate tax, it is something you need to be aware of too. So again, that's a key component here, I think, in terms of the planning that was done. And just for the listeners, Michael just mentioned that credit that everyone has, that $26 million, that changes in 2026. So if you're not doing planning with your attorneys to look at your estate plan, that, that benefit's going to be cut in half. And if we, we have an expression, if you don't use it now, you're going to lose it. So there's a two-year window, you can maximize gifting, you could use the credit for different purposes for moving assets out of your estate. So this is the time to look at it. So go back to your attorneys and make sure that everybody's on the same page on what exposure you might have when this law changes. Anyway, let's get back into, into the session. Yeah. The other key issue he had was he was philanthropic. He wanted to do something from a foundation standpoint. That was kind of on the back, back burner, but he had mentioned through our process that he was very interested, very philanthropic, a leader in the community, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Had five kids, great kids, but no one wanted to be in the business. They, they're not, they're teachers and they didn't want to take over the business. So he was in this, this quadri, what do I do with it? And that's one of those, those challenges. Do I sell it? Do I hold on to it? So it was one of those normal conversations for a single owner of a, of a business. How do I get maximum value through, uh, you know, processes of understanding how I could get that value out, whether it was a sale or, or compensation or letting someone else run it? These are all go through his head. He was kind of in that middle, like, what do I do? So we were helping him kind of discover some options he had uh, to take a look at. But that, those are, I think those are the three key areas 
he had to and he wants to focus on. I think there are a couple of things about he wanted to be sure his wife was absolutely taken care of, that she was secure, things were put aside for her. And what was interesting, he recognized off the bat on what Copper Beach really is a business to do. We're not in business to build a plan today, as and I, I preached at the choir with you. Uh, we're not we're not in business to do a plan today for a family. We're 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 put in place t- for a twenty year model, thirty year model to the second gen, even the third gen relationship to the family, because he wanted someone to manage all this on behalf of his wife, because his wife wasn't necessarily capable of handling the magnitude of she was going to receive, whether it be via trust or outright. He wanted someone to be in place to manage the design of the case that we're putting together. So he recognized that. He said, you guys can be a major part of this. You need to meet my family. You need to meet my, my wife. And we spent, what, having three or four meetings with the kids before all mm-hmm. this was finalized. So we got to know the kids, got to know his wife. So they all recognized who we were and what role we had. Yeah, and I think those family meetings were really critical to the planning process. Because again, as we've talked about before, a few times when you look at how wealth, financial wealth passes down the generational line. And oftentimes it's lost in that third generation. We've talked about that shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves proverb a few times on the podcast. And the main reasons that many people believe that that happens is because that next generation or the third generation, sometimes even the second generation, isn't fully capable of managing the financial wealth that they're going to inherit, whether that's a business or the management of the the sale of the business. If something happens to the business owner, whatever the case may be, they just don't have the financial literacy or the expertise, or really there's no communication between the generations in terms of how to best put all that together. And so that was really key to this family because, as, as you mentioned, that the children were not really involved in the business, didn't really have much interest in the business. They I think two of the children were still in in college, I believe, when we met them. And so they had their own career ambitions that were separate from the business. And so the management of all of this was going to be really important. And to your point, to have the client, the business owner, really recognize that, I think, from the outset and and, and its importance. So that was those family meetings were really critical here. He was a great listener. He listened to everything we told him and took notes. He was, he was, he was, he was a great guy. I was, because I'm going to tell you on the way he passed away after the plan was put in place. And I'll let Michael get back to what we designed and how it was handled as he passed of a sudden heart attack. It was terrible, but we'll, we'll go through that in a second. Yeah, so let's get into that. So I think we laid out all of the key facts here that hopefully will give the foundation for when we get to the actual recommendations and what the family implemented, why those were done. And the first thing that was done, again, was related to this executive. So as we mentioned, he was not now sure he wanted to take over running the company should something happen to the client, the business owner. So the business owner said, well, now this is much more concerning to me because, as, as you mentioned earlier, Dad, if something happens to me, where does this, what value does this business have to my family? I'm not here to run it. And again, he wasn't working the day to day, but he was the visionary. He was sort of really driving the strategic growth and vision of the business. But okay, now my executive has already just told me he's not sure he wants to really run the business either at that level. So to your point that he might, you know, maybe he's poached by another competitor. Maybe he just, says, you know what, this is not really something I'm interested in doing, so I'm going to go do something else. That's a big exposure. Now, if the two of them were not here, there's really not a lot of value in this business at all, or a lot less to the family. So that's really where we were starting with. And so one of the key projects we worked on 
with the executive was tying him, or we call golden handcuffs as a term, try to tie this executive in to essentially say to him, look, something happens to me. I need you to, I understand you might not really want this role, but I need you in this role should something happen to me. So one of the things that the business owner put in place was essentially what we've, we call a phantom stock plan. So how this was designed was to essentially give this executive a piece of the sales proceeds of the business should the business ever be sold. So the thought process was, the client was, okay, if something happens to me, I pass away, the business is may be sold, right? Maybe sold to a competitor if this executive doesn't want to take over the ownership of the business, and I'm going to reward him by giving him a piece of that sales proceeds. I think it was up to, I think it was, it earned up to 20%, if I remember it was, correctly. It was actually 25%. 25%, yeah. So it's a very, I mean, really generous, I think, package that was put in place. But again, the goal was from from the client standpoint is this executive has really been running the day-to-day operations. He, in many ways, has earned the right to have that value where the company ever would be sold. However, it also locks up that executive that if he something happens to the owner, the executive leaves, well, he's going to forfeit that benefit that he's set to receive. So it ties the executive in to staying with the company to make sure that if the company is sold, they're going to maximize the value because he has a vested interest in making sure that that value is maximized. That was the first step. We had multiple conversations, not only with the client, but also with the executive. So we all got on the same page, built it out, and the executive was was happy, and so was the owner. So that that was a very successful probably two or three meeting kind right. of process. It took us a little while to get it nailed down. But the, he, the client was very, very excited that we had that in place just in case he passed away. And what we also built into that structure was if the executive wants to take over the ownership of the company, let's assume something happens to the owner, the executive says, you know what, I really want to take over running this company. Well, his value of the purchase price would be discounted by that 25% value. So he got a discount on the purchase price of the business. So effectively, he gets the benefit, if you will, whatever the succession plan ultimately is. So that was another sort of wrinkle in the plan that we think added a lot of value. So we kind of had that flexibility built in. And the second step we spent a lot of time with, we talked to the client about starting moving assets out of its taxable estate into what I refer to as a tax-exempt estate. Our trust structure that allows him to take advantage of any future tax was not going to be taxed on his assets. So, Michael, why don't you walk through the defective trust idea and what we did and how we transacted that? Sure. So this structure, again, when we went through our audit process at the beginning, one of the things that we always ask all of our business owner clients is to give us, within some conservative basis, the growth rate of the business in the future. And we collect that data. So we got that from the client and we're able to then plug that into our financial software that we utilize that'll run those projections. And so the clients can see right on the screen, okay, if the number is, let's say, 5% a year that we're going to grow the business at, and that's the number I want to assume. He was seven, if I remember correctly. I think you're right. I think he was seven. So if we use that 7%, because that's his historical growth rate that they've had over, let's say, the last 10 years, then, okay, now we're going to have this estate tax exposure in the future based on those growth rates, based on the value of the business today and what we're going to grow it to. So listeners of our podcast have heard us say this before. If you know that that's going to 
be the path that the business and the family is on, it always makes sense, at least from our perspective, to look at transferring or doing estate planning on that asset now versus, let's say, 20 years in the future when we get that 7% compounding growth rate. And now the business is worth a lot more. It becomes less efficient to get that asset out of your estate because, as we mentioned, we have limitations to how much we can transfer to a trust or to the next generation from a gifting standpoint before we trigger gift or estate tax. So it's always easier to do that earlier because we have a lower value, right? So that's what we outlined that with the client. The client agreed, okay, this makes sense. We should bring in the attorneys and the CPAs to, again, get in a round table. Let's figure out the best way with this in mind to put this together. So what the plan ultimately was is the client formed an irrevocable trust. That trust was what we call a grantor trust. And all that means is that the grantor, the creator of the trust, is the payer of the income taxes that are earned by that trust. And there's a reason why that makes sense, which I think we've gotten into in some earlier podcasts on defective trusts. There's reasons why you'd want to do that. The attorneys recommended that that be the structure for this particular client. What the client did was he went and got his business valued. And again, from an estate planning perspective, we actually want a lower value than a higher value. And why do we want that? Because we want to be able to use less of our of that lifetime gift exemption that we have. So we actually want a lower value, which is a private value, by the way. This is not something that's public knowledge that you know, if you went got a buyer for your business in the future and they offered you, you know, three times that amount because that's what they value it at, that you're not locked into that lower value. This is just purely a private valuation for estate planning purposes. So client went out, hired a valuation firm, got a favorable valuation from a certified valuation expert. That's another key component here. If you're going to be doing estate tax planning or estate planning at this level, you absolutely need to have a qualified third-party valuation company do that. You can't come up with that value on your own because if the IRS wants to challenge the value of that gift, you need to make sure that you have that foundation behind you to back that up. So the client did that through his legal advisor, got a good value. And what the client actually did was transferred 49% of this value via gift to this irrevocable trust. Now, why did he do a 49% interest? Well, number one, he wanted to maintain the ownership control of that, the 51% shareholder ownership percentage. So he would maintain control. But also we were able to get what were called discounts, minority interest discounts on the value of the gift because what was being transferred was not a controlling interest in that business, right? It's only 49%. So the recipient of that, i.e. the trust here, isn't going to be able to control the day-to-day operations of the business. So because of that, under this valuation metric, you're allowed to discount the value even further under the gift and estate tax laws. So again, the goal here and why you'd want to do that is because we want to use less of that now $26 million federal exemption amount that we have. So I'm giving you a little bit of detail, but this is, I think, important detail because this is the stuff that all the advisors have to be on the same page with putting together because it's, again, maximizing this design for the family. So that's what ended up happening was we got the asset out of his estate, or at least 49% of the business out of his estate. So all of that future growth, that 7% number 
49% of that was going to be out of the family's estate in a dynasty trust format where it was never going to be subjected to estate taxes for he and his wife, his children, or any grandchildren. So it was a pretty powerful design from start to finish that, again, was kind of one of the main planning tools that we put in place. Yeah. And I'm going to push this a little faster because we have a limited time today, but here's the end result of all this. A year after we finished all this planning, the client passed away of a massive heart attack leaving a hockey game. All this was implemented. Michael worked very closely with the state attorneys, probated what needed to be probated. We worked with the family very, very closely, got involved with every detail of, of the administration piece of it. The spouse relied on us to handle it. What was interesting, we put a key bed life insurance policy on this client at a certain level. He already had a, he had another $2 million policy that was sold to him uh, a while before. So life insurance was in the process of being taken care of and being you know, sent to the spouse. The $2 million policy was done incorrectly, and they couldn't pay the claim. Our policy, we paid the claim within three days. We got a hold of our insurance company, said the client had dire need for liquidity, and within three days, she got a check. So we got very involved with making sure she was taken care of, staying on top of all the administrative pieces of it. I went to the wake. There were 700 people, Eric, in line at this wake. Wow. It was 14 degrees outside. It was outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. And I got into the building. Obviously, the, you know, the family was was you know, greeting everybody in line. Eric, the son, saw me and he kind of hugged me. And I said, "Eric, listen, I'm so I'm so sad about your dad passing. He was one of our favorite people. We we haven't really ever worked with. What a great man he was." He said, "Yeah, he was super. He was a superstar." And he said, "Funny thing, John. He said one of the neighbors said to me, uh, I hope your dad had a good estate plan.' He said, "We have Copper Beach. Mm. You can't get better than that." So the client recognized the role we took. I'll go back to what I said earlier. The role we take with families is to make sure that they stay out of trouble regarding their finances. We watched over everything. And to this day, we're handling everything. Nothing is done with this family unless it goes through Michael and I or my team here. And the spouse recognized that. And this is like four years later, Michael, mm-hmm. four years later, we're involved with the design of the foundations. We work with the kids. Matter of fact, next month, we're going to have another family with the kids go through all the details of their their planning. So we're very involved in this family, but the, the the family knows what our role is, and its role is to be their CFO of their family to make sure that everything's managed accordingly and everything's monitored, and that's what we do. So it's a sad story because it was something that you planned for, and it actually happened. He's the only client that I've had recently that passed away, but the plan worked perfectly. And to Michael's credit, I'll give him a little bit of credit, although he's G2, I'll give him a little credit, he was very, very instrumental in designing these trusts, working with the wife to make sure she was clear about what was going on. Michael's very good at keeping things simple for families, and that's hard to do when you deal with this, the complexity of what we're involved with. But it was very, very rewarding to see our work bloom for the benefit of the family, although a very sad event, but it all worked in sync. That executive is now running the company. They had their best quarter last year. He's very, very much involved. Matter of fact, we're involved with the spouse negotiating his compensation for the next level. We, so we do get involved with making sure that we keep him on board. That was the design. So he needs to get compensated more. So we're going to be in the process of hopefully getting his compensation a little higher. But he's very excited about running the company. He's doing an unbelievable job. They communicate 
he communicates to the family very closely uh, with us and with the advisors. So it's it's almost a, a a perfect end result to a very sad situation from a player standpoint. But it, but it worked. Yeah, and I think just that the lesson, if you will, to learn about this is is that from a business succession standpoint, and and we've talked about this before. Every every business owner is, of course, a different business, different situation. You might be in a partnership situation that's that's different than this case study where you have the sole owner of a company, but particularly for sole owners, single owner businesses, the succession plan is really, I don't want to say more, it's, it's always important, but there's just, I think, really unique challenges that sole owners of businesses have because you, know, you might have this executive that you think is going to take over the company. The executive might not want to do that, right? So you have to have that communication, of course, between the owner and the executive, but you know, really, what value of the business is going to actually pass on to the next generation or to, or to your spouse? Because you know, business owners obviously spend so much time working in their company, growing it at the level, and should something happen to them, a lot of the value is really tied up with them. And that's really what we try to try to point out, particularly for sole owner businesses. And and this is just a prime example: is that again, it, it, unless now I, I can't say for sure that our plan really was the reason why the executive stayed. He might've stayed regardless, but yeah. I think we certainly helped to do that. I think we certainly made it worth his while to stay. And that I think protected the value of the business for the next generation and for the business owner spouse. Cause it happened. It, it did happen here. So it's anyway, I it's, it's one of our, it, it's not one of our favorite cases. Cause again, it's a sad situation, but I think in, in terms of seeing a full circle, you know, sometimes when we do this planning, you know, it's we've talked about. Our, we don't see it. We don't you don't see, see it. it, and that's and that's what Copper Beach. You know, that's why we had used the term Copper Beach because it's the tree that's used for the family tree, and, and the Copper Beach tree takes four hundred years, I think, to grow to full size. And so, planting a Copper Beach tree today, you're not going to be here to see it. And sometimes when we do this planning, we set things up that we might be able to see, but a lot of times you might not be able to see. So this is one of those instances where. You know, it, it, it kind of came full circle. And again, I, I hope we don't have to see that again, <laughs> but it does. I think it's very validating for for what we put in place. So. Yeah, and we, and we can spend another half hour on some of the details of this, this design of this case. We don't have the time to do that. But the key comment, why, why, you know, why I'm making that comment is this is not easy. This is a process and it mm-hmm. takes a while to get done. It took us a year to a year and a half to get to all this in place with this family because you have all the advisors need to be involved. We collaborate with everybody. Attorneys, accounts are on, on, on every conference call we had with the client. This is, this is not an easy process to go through, but it's, it's important to go through it to make sure it's all correct. So the, to Michael's point, when you put all that effort into building something that you, you could see the end result of it, which we did, unfortunately, this client passing away, you kind of look and say how powerful this is when you do it right. So anybody's listening to this, you have a business, you got to make sure you do things right because the impact has not on you because you're all over here. The impact is on your family and the few success of all the employees of your company that now have to find another place to go. So, so it's, it's very, very important that you, that you stay on top of these issues, especially when the laws start to change. And I hope you all go back to your, your uh, advisors and challenge them to sit with you in the coming couple of years to get this new estate planning issue addressing us with the law changes that they, they have to stay on top of this stuff because there's an advantage you can have by doing it so that's that's uh you know that's that's the end of the story but they're a great family uh we love working with them and uh it's just one of those uh magical moments in our career here 
yeah, this is, I mean, sad story, right? But a success, just purely a success because of the willingness that the client had to say, hey, this is what I've got. This is what I want to accomplish. Help, <laughs> right? Because they're busy running their business and the people aren't thinking about this kind of stuff. So that that's great. And I love that. I want to compartmentalize that, if you will. That's the, the kind of the purpose of this podcast is to go out to these business owners and for them to start thinking. However, my mind was kind of racing. I'd love for you guys. and I'm going to ask you for contact information here in a, in a moment, but there may be some folks listening to this podcast that are the key employees, right? They're, they're the ones that are possibly a succession plan, but maybe they haven't discussed it. This is not an easy topic to bring up with an owner, but if you're close with an owner and you're the key man or key woman in a business, you need to know that business is going to be secure for your future as well. So guys, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet here. If, if somebody's in that position, it can be hard to have that conversation with the business owner or not even know how to broach the subject. I mean, you, you don't want to say, Hey, do you got an estate plan in place? <laughs> you know, but yeah. there's gotta be some talking points and I'm going to ask you to, to field some emails or calls from them. If somebody's listening to this and saying, Hey, I'm in that position. I don't know what the owner has done or hasn't done, but my concern is if, if they did pass away, I'm out of here and then the business yeah. would fail. And I, I'd like to make sure that their family gets what they deserve as far as, you know, they built a good business over the last 40, 50 years or whatever. Is that okay? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, absolutely. It's, that's a, obviously a much different dynamic as a, mm -hmm. even a key employee to, to broach that subject. But I think it's important to do that. And again, for a business owner that I, I would, if, if that happens to you, I would keep an open mind about it because I've seen instances where I'm a member of a peer group and one of the members was a key executive of this business and tried actually to do that very thing. Eric tried to talk to the business owner, was a sole owner of a company uh, in his late 60s, wanted to find out what his succession plan was because I actually think the the uh, executive wanted to maybe be a part of that, might wanted to take over the company. Mm -hmm. And the business owner was not, I don't think, amenable to having those discussions. I think wanted to treat it more as a lifestyle business, not necessarily grow it, wanted to kind of, you know, take it. I think it was probably drawing a million dollars plus out of the company a year and nothing wrong with that. But what this executive, the executives basically said, I'm not sure if there's really a future here for me based mm -hmm. on what I'm hearing from this business owner. So he ended up uh, getting another job, got a better job. He's now CEO at, a, at another, you know, much larger company. And I always wonder you know, his old job, what that business owner is now doing, because yeah, you know, he, he now I'm sure had to hire somebody else to take over that role and get back into actively forming the company. So yeah, but to your point, Eric, it, it is, if you're an executive and you might want to be in that position, it, it's important that you have those conversations. So yeah, I'm happy to re help where we can. Yeah, but I, I mentioned earlier about today's marketplace. There's a big stress point on finding people that are quality people that are, that want to continue to work. Yeah. And, and they, so the, the recruiting has been a challenge for a lot of these companies. We hear that from our clients every week. I can't find people to work. There's not enough people out there that want to come in and try a new career. So if you have someone that's good, business owners listen if you have someone that's good you got to get focused on making sure yeah. they stay so that's so it's more important than it was even five years ago to look at 
those deferred compensation plans or bonus structures or phantom stock arrangements to tie good people to your company. Or you might lose them to uh, someone that's going to throw money at them because they can't find anybody, so they are willing to pay more. So we're starting to see a lot of that. So it's just a, just a shot over the bow. I think, I think we're struggling with it. Matter of fact, we struggle here trying to find skilled people come on board to duplicate what we do here. Matter of fact, just recently, we've had two families come to us. says, okay, John, yeah, we know you're going to be retiring or phasing out one of these days or get hit by that famous beer truck you talk about. <laughs> and we got Michael. That's all good. We love Michael. It's all well and good. But if something happens to Michael, where's Copper Beach? So we're building out Gen 3 of Copper Beach as we speak mm-hmm. for that because we have families that are relying on that 20, 30-year model with us. We have to have the people to support that. So I'm in the process of trading people that we just brought on board and plus bringing another attorney that we're going to be working but that's going to be working with Michael to be that next gen connection to what we're doing. So we're building out our succession plan only to support our families. So it's it's really a it's a it's an ongoing project but it's it's a it's a lot of it's, it takes a lot of focus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're, we're no different than our we're business no owner clients a lot of yeah. times. So yeah, I mean we have those same issues and what's Copper Beach worth if both me and my father are not here. Probably not as much as it is if both of us are here. So yeah, when we have the same same concerns that we you know struggle with because we're trying to run a business too, and mm-hmm. so we understand that. But you have to make it a priority. I view it as a responsibility as being a business owner, right? It's protecting that value for your family, protecting it for your employees. That's that's um, you know, I, I think part and parcel with being a business owner. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. So give them your contact information. Where do you want them to reach out? Uh, sure. Well, you can reach out to us on uh, LinkedIn. Both my father and I are on pr- pretty active on LinkedIn. And so you can reach out to us there. Our website address is uh, www.cbfgllc.com, or you can always just call us on the phone, 856-988-8300. All right. Fantastic. Gentlemen, great podcast today. I love this case study. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I'm glad it was. It's it's one I think we've been wanting to do for a while. And again, we've, I think, brought up parts of it uh, through the years in terms of on other podcasts. But I think this was good to go through it. Through the years. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah, it's been been years now. It's been multiple (laughs) years. That's right. All (laughs) right. Close close to several years, I think, almost. Oh, that's a big word right there. Yeah. Now now I'm feeling old. All right, guys. Thanks again. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This will when John and Michael come out with a new podcast. It'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. 
please consult your own tax legal or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. American Portfolios and Copper Beach Financial Group are not affiliated with any other named business entities mentioned.